0: Our scripture reading today is from Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. I'd like to invite Lizzie forward for the, to bring us the message now.
1: Father God, we praise you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that it gives to us and the challenge. And as we look at this passage at the very beginning of Advent, we ask that you will speak to our hearts and that your Holy Spirit will be moving among us and that he will anoint and speak through those words that are used. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm sure a lot of people have asked you already, and if they haven't, then they soon will. Are you ready for Christmas? (laughs) Preparation for the festive season seems to start earlier every year. I'm sure that you saw the Ely lights going up at the end of October, And I know streets, and I'm sure you do, where the lights have never actually been taken down. They're still there, waiting to spring into garish, multicoloured, flashing brightness as soon as someone thinks it's time for them, which was about a month ago. Sainsbury's have had banners up advertising their Christmas ranges for weeks. Everybody must get ready. Buy presents and send cards and arrange about who's going to go to whose house on what day. Come on, come on, come on. Are you ready? Are you ready? But of course, to be truly ready for Christmas means something entirely different. Long, long ago, God's prophet Isaiah talked about preparing for an event that the first people to hear this message must have found difficult to imagine. Something amazing was going to happen. God was going to do something awesome and they needed to be ready. Think about being ready to recalibrate. Isaiah has warned the Jewish people about the coming exile in Babylon. He's told them that they'll be defeated and carried away into captivity But now, at the beginning of chapter 40, a new section starts. There's a message of comfort and of hope. After things have got as bad as they can possibly get, there will be restoration and homecoming. These verses at the start of chapter 40 open with reassurance from God, full of tenderness and love. Isaiah proclaims a message which looks to the future when the exile of the people will be over. When all that they've done to get themselves into such terrible trouble will have been forgiven. With disaster facing them, with enemies at the gate, with the prospect of years of captivity before them, the people were probably all too aware that this was of their own making because they turned away from god but he tells them that their sins are pardoned i've always thought that it seems a bit tough for these people that they're told they've received double for all their sins sounds as if they've had even more punishment than they really deserve but it turns out that this expression loses something in translation This is the same idea which occurs in part of the book of Exodus when the people are being being instructed on how to make the curtains of the tabernacle the right length, which is possibly something that we don't study on a daily basis. The idea is that when something is folded perfectly in half, doubled over, one half exactly equals the other half. What has happened to the people has been met by God's mercy. There's an exact matching up of the sin and its payment. A line can be drawn under it. Here's an idea of recalibration, of starting again All of us, when faced with a misbehaving phone, tablet or other electronic device, will always do the first and obvious thing, switch it off and switch it on again. Usually that solves the problem. The device is rebooted, it settles down and you can get on with what you were trying to do. God is saying to these people, it's all over and done with. I've completely forgiven you. We're okay, you and I. Let's reset. Now you can see what else I'm going to do. Are there parts of our lives where we need to hear God saying that to us? Are there things that we need to move on from? When I was getting ready to move house from where I lived in Willingham, I went to tell the neighbours that my house was on the market and I had an offer on it. My left-hand neighbour looked at me with a face full of longing when I explained to her that I was making a new start and going to live near Ely. I wish I could do that, she said enviously. I nodded sympathetically. But later I reflected that there was absolutely no reason why she couldn't. She'd moved to the house next door some years ago with her then-husband, but the marriage had sadly broken down some years ago. She'd retired from work with a good pension, and she owned the house herself. Her family didn't live near her. There was nothing to stop her doing exactly what I was doing, but she felt that she couldn't. She was stuck, still going over the hurt relating to the end of her marriage, dwelling on the past, feeling that it was impossible to move forward. God speaks to comfort his people, to reassure them that after the difficult times there will be hope. But he isn't reassuring them in an empty way. He isn't telling them to keep smiling and everything will be just fine. He's reassuring them for a reason, because he has something important to say to them. Just a few chapters later, in Isaiah 43, he tells them, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. In our personal lives and in our life as a fellowship, it's possible for us to get stuck to be like my former neighbour who felt that she couldn't move forward because the past weighed on her too heavily. Where there has been hurt, where we've got things wrong, we only have to come to God through Jesus to let go of the past and let him do new things in our lives by his spirit. We know that he forgives us, And he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Our sin is completely covered by his mercy because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Do we need to hear his voice of comfort and reassurance in a special way today? Do we need to recalibrate and reset and be ready for what he will do next? We think about being ready to change. Now the people have accepted their forgiveness, now that they've reset and are ready to move on, what is God doing? There's a call to prepare for a change. If the king or another member of the royal family pays a visit to a town or city, huge preparations are involved. Planning has to start months in advance. Everything has to be cleaned and painted and put in order and everybody has to know exactly what they have to do and what they have to say and where they have to be. This is nothing, however, to the effort involved in advance of a visit by the first Queen Elizabeth. Every summer, she and her retinue would take off round the country, partly to get out of London during the plague season and partly to save royal funds by getting various noblemen to pay for the upkeep of the court instead. The aristocrat chosen to accommodate the Queen would have to put up the entire court as well, feeding and maintaining the courtiers and the servants and their horses. They might have 300 people descend on them at a few days' notice. Small wonder that there's a letter on record from one country gentleman begging the Queen not to come. He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't able to deal with the upheaval caused by the Sovereign's arrival. Isaiah talks about the voice crying in the wilderness, that the king is coming, that preparations must be made. Kings long ago might demand a similar amount of fuss and expense, as did the first Queen Elizabeth. The way had to be prepared. Isaiah talks about a pathway in the wilderness, a road in the desert, a royal road for the arrival of the king. Sounds as if landscaping would be needed. Hills and valleys might need to be evened out. Changes are made. Nothing will ever be the same again. There will be upheaval because the coming of the king means something very, very different will begin to happen. We've already been reminded that the prophecy about the voice of the messenger calling out that the king is coming was fulfilled in the ministry of John the Baptist. When he's born, his father Zechariah says of him, "'And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, "'for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, "'to give his people the knowledge of salvation "'through the forgiveness of their sins.'" John proclaimed the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the one whose sandals he wasn't worthy to undo. Isaiah, thousands of years before, told the people about the coming of God's Son to fulfill the plan he had for the world. The tendency of our society to start celebrating Christmas at the earliest possible opportunity does rather eat into the season of Advent which, as Susan's already reminded us, means arrival. It's a special time of preparation to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. You could say it's almost to Christmas what Lent is to Easter. It's an opportunity to think and reflect, perhaps to have a look at those hills and valleys that need evening out in our lives to reflect on our readiness to welcome Jesus in our hearts. When he comes, he changes everything. Isaiah told people about God's promised Messiah, the one whom God would send. In chapter 9, we read those great words about the wonderful counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, who will reign on David's throne forever. When Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem, the people had been waiting a very long time. The Messiah arrived in a very unlikely and unexpected way. But they still didn't understand that the plan would work out in a way more unexpected still. That Jesus had come to save all people from their sins if they would turn to him. Here is the king who disrupts our lives, who changes everything, who doesn't always do things the way that we expect. Are we ready to welcome him and make room for however he wants to change us? And we think about being ready to meet him. Isaiah tells us that God's glory will be revealed. It will all happen as he has spoken and everyone is going to see it. During Advent, we not only remember that Jesus came once to the earth as a baby, but that he is coming again. And even as we get ready to celebrate his birth, so we need to bear in mind that he could come back at any time. When Jesus was born, it was as if nobody was expecting him. So much of it was a surprise. Mary and Joseph had to travel a long way from their home without any idea about where they were going to stay. And they ended up sleeping with the animals because the inn was crowded. The shepherds on the hillside were terrified when an angel appeared to them. Herod and his advisors had to look up the details of where and when the event was going to happen. Everyone involved in the story was astonished by what was going on and the significance of the baby born in a cowshed to a poor couple dawned on people only gradually. We wouldn't have been any more clued up if we'd have been there. But just as the people long ago didn't really have any excuse, because they had, after all, been told that the Messiah would be of the lineage of David, that he would be born of a virgin, and that he would come from Bethlehem, so we are clearly told that he will come again in glory. Nobody knows when that will be, but then nobody knew the first time. So the important thing is to be ready. Jesus talks about this when he preaches about the day that will surely come. He talks about seeing the signs of the times and he says, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. People ask us if we are ready for Christmas. What does it really mean to be ready for the coming of Jesus? John, at the start of Revelation, declares, look, he's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So shall it be Amen. He's quoting from the prophecies of Zechariah and Daniel, assuring them that this is something that will take place. Paul in Philippians 2 says that God has given Jesus the name above every other name and exalted him to the highest place, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue, Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus comes again in glory, it will not be unobtrusive. Everyone will see what has happened and all of humanity will bow to his name. Many years ago, I took a trip up Mount Vesuvius near Naples. There was a minibus to take you some of the way. But nobody else seemed to want to go up on that particular day, so I had the vehicle to myself. I tried to talk to the driver, but this wasn't particularly easy, as his English was only very slightly better than my Italian. As we drove higher and higher, I could see where the lava flow had reached in the most recent eruption in 1944. Earlier in my holiday, I'd visited Pompeii. So I knew all about the destructive power of this volcano. I asked the driver, who told me that he lived in Naples, if he was afraid of it happening again. It took a while before this uh, query got through. I, I mimed fear and he thought I was cold. <laughs> but in the end, he understood me and shrugged his shoulders as only an Italian can. For me, is normal. <laughs> we can live from day to normal day without thinking about the return of Jesus, even as that man lived day to day on the slope of a volcano and never gave it a second thought. Yet it's a case of when and not if Vesuvius will erupt again. And far more certain even than that is the fact of Jesus returning to the earth for everybody to see. So we need to be ready to welcome him, living as people who eagerly anticipate his return, always doing what he's asked us to do. And showing his love and his truth to people all around us and helping them to be ready to meet him as well. Something amazing is going to happen. Something awesome. God's power will be revealed for everyone to see. The valleys will be levelled out. His processional route is prepared. Nothing will ever be the same again. Are you ready?
0: What a challenge, Lord. Are we ready? Lord, let us not be the ones that Paul speaks of or the writer of Hebrews speaks of, whoever that might be, the ones with weak knees, but instead let us boldly go forth, showing your love, preaching your word. Yes, Lord, showing your gospel, being ready for you. Lord, help us now to let go of the things that we need to let go of so that we may be fully used by you. Thank you, Lord. It's a challenge at the right time, I'm sure, for many of us. Lord, I pray also at this time for those in our congregation who are unwell or grieving. Bring your holy healing. I think of Amy and Steve and their family with the sudden loss of Amy's mother. Bring her your healing. Bring all of them your comfort, Lord, and and your strength. Lord, we pray for our community. We pray for Ely. As they do prepare for your coming, even if they don't acknowledge that, Lord, through us, through other believers, and just through your power, reveal yourself, we pray. We pray for the oppressed, depressed, those in poverty. May they find love. May they find relief. And may they look to you and praise your name, we pray. And we pray for the world, for conflict in many areas. Lord, protect the innocent and root out evil, we pray. Again, so your name will be glorified. And we pray for a turning in the Middle East that they may look to you, that the Jewish people may see you as their Messiah and look to you in your ways and that Muslim people may have a revelation of your love as well. And we hear about this happening and we praise you for it. And that all of us will have the right words to say for this difficult situation. Pray for the people of Ukraine, Lord still suffering. For all those involved, we pray peace and protection. We pray for a breakthrough in this Advent season, a breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise your name. We honor and glorify you. We pray also for the gifts and the offerings, Lord. May they be used to advance your kingdom as well. In Jesus' name, amen.